Hello and welcome to Diane Lake's podcast, Preparing the Way, the Practical Prophetic. Our show teaches you how you can understand and apply the prophetic through practical terms, practical ways, and practical means that make it relevant to everyday life so that you can prepare the way for the Lord's purpose to manifest in the earth. Welcome to the first Thursday morning session of the Prophetic Impact Tour, which was held April 26th to 29th, 2023 in Missoula, Montana. In this episode, you'll hear from Alan and Diane Lake, co-founders of Starfire Ministries. The session topic features Al's testimony from his work in the Education Mountain, and Diane brings a message titled, Get Ready, The King of Glory is Riding In, Part 1. Listen and be activated into the triple blessing. Let's get started. And so, uh, without further ado, I just want to go ahead and roll into our first session today, and that is our hosts, uh, Alan and Diane Lake, uh, who are great friends of ours, and we got to stay with them in the beautiful Montana countryside, all right? Uh, we, we almost never returned. It was just like, you know, we can, we can make this home, you know? I come from a farm, and I like, I like nature, and I like the outdoors, so Montana fits me pretty well. Uh, but uh, they uh, lead in many ways, are ordained with us at Christian International, and uh, they've pioneered a lot of things in the marketplace and education realms to bring change and influence there. And you know what? We have to be involved, right, in the things that are going on. The church withdrew for a long time uh, in previous decades, and when that happened, ungodly things began to get set in place. Uh, but it's good uh, timing, I think, that... God is energizing his church to be involved. So I encourage you to be involved wherever you can be. And they certainly represent that. Uh, and Diane's an avid writer, all right? And so she writes a lot of things for the Elijah List. And also they're connected with Cindy Jacobs as well. Uh, and our regional leaders, I believe, in that realm for several states. Uh, so I don't know what's on their heart today, uh, but I know that they've been praying about this time for many years. I do know that. All right, and probably five or six, we've been talking about uh, times where we can partner with Bishop here uh, to impact this area. Uh, and now is it, all right? This is the day, this is the time uh, that God's ordained. So uh, welcome them as they come today. I'm not sure who's going to go first, Alan or Diane or both, but uh, welcome them as they come today. So don't be like, oh, well, maybe it's still partly, I just like, I just 
want to encourage you. You speak healing over your body. Okay, so I don't know. We're praying that I'm somehow prophesying too. I got in a deep place of prayer not too long ago, and out of my mouth came this word. I want to encourage you to do this. I found myself saying, Thank you, Lord, for your word to me, which said, I will live a long and healthy life, and the effects of aging are going to be reversed. And I said, what did I just say? I prophesy that over you, and you need to do it to understand. Thank you, Father. Thank you for connecting us to the Lord. Thank you for the powerful time that you're going to give us each and every session, each and every day. Please anoint Al as he shares. And thank you for this opportunity that Interesting, last night Gail was talking about windows of opportunity and doors of opportunity. Um, that's exactly what happened to me about one year ago. Um, we have a friend, he's on our board, Dan Lucia. He's been a football coach for probably 40 years. He's been successful state championships. He's had the opportunity to go to different schools, different states, and just turnaround, not only in the football uh, teams, but in the entire, their communities. He's a very outspoken Christian. Um, so he, he felt from the Lord that he was, he needed to, he had been retired a couple years, and he felt the Lord wanted him to come back to Frenchtown, Montana, which is, is just a few, few miles away from here. Diane and I went to school there from K through, well, we didn't have K back then. Our kids went to school there, you know, and he said, Hey, Al, what would you think about being a coach? And I go, Whoa, I've never, not even in a, in a wildest dream. And um, so I prayed about it, and the Lord says, Yeah, do it. So, he, he said, you know, I want to do something really different. I've, I've, I've had coaches, I've fired coaches. I want to do something to where we can produce character in these kids. We want, to, we want to do, you know, we want to teach them football, all that. But we want to really instill in them character, godly values. Yeah, let's go, let's go. So it was really fun, you know. Uh, nowadays, in, in any sports, you see, whether it's professional college or whatever, one of the things that you really see a lot of is trash talk. You know, particularly in football, if you come up and you knock somebody on the ground, you stand over the top of them and you talk to them. You know? So we talked to our kids, and um, our kids watching on film last year, the previous year, they were trash talking. So he said, you know, we're going to do some different things. Instead of when you knock somebody on the ground and trash talk them, we're going to have you put your hand up and lift them up. So our kids, you know, it's cool. Our, our kids bought in. Um, we had a preseason team camp in Dillon, Montana. Um, we were green, green coaches. I mean, we hadn't had any practices. We took 40 kids down there, and um, we just go, okay, God, what are we going to do? We, did, we scratched out plays on, on, on napkins and gave them to the kids, and, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty. 
we had just a couple of stories. We had one kid who was a senior, great athlete, except he was uh, injury prone. I called him. He said, "Yeah, I'm injury prone. I've never played a, a game in my life. I get I get hurt before the season starts." We told him, "You are not injury prone. Take that knee away from you. You're going to have a long season. You're going to have a successful season." First couple plays, he gets hurt. He gets a, he gets a shoulder injury, and so you know, Coach and I, Coach Lusher and I, he goes, uh, "How would you like if Coach Lake prayed over you?" The kids, uh, he's a Catholic kid. He goes, "Well, yeah, I did." You know, <laughs> never heard anything like that. So, so I just prayed over him. I says, "Father, in the name of Jesus, we just speak healing over." And he, I mean, he was devastated. He was crying, and he went home, and his, his mom had to come get him. And, and, um, but miraculously, he did not have a bad injury. He was back in about two days. A couple of, another opportunity uh, we had, we had one kid roll his ankle, and um, I watched it, took his shoe off, and watched it bulge up. It was, it was a bad one. And um, I said, hey, how about, can I pray over you? Yeah, I guess. You know, so laid hands, prayed over him. I had to go do some more coaching for a bit, and um, came back and <clears throat> figured, you know, we'd have to get the medic and everything. He says, "I'm good, coach. Put your shoot back on." It's amazing. You know, we're, we're, we're watching miraculous things happen. You know, you know, another opportunity we had is. Uh, that same camp, I, I get emotional when I talk about this and this was, we had one little kid, his name Eli. Eli was four foot eight and 85 pounds. What do you want to talk about? Little freshman. Little freshman. I said, I said, don't, you know, Eli, I didn't know how big he was, I could see he was small. I said, you know, Eli, I, I was 5'3", 105 pounds as a freshman. You know, you're going to be fine. He goes, coach, I'm 4'8", 85. No problem, buddy. You know. So uh, we were, I had the JV team, and uh, the Lord gave me, he, he was a little safety, waved in the backfield. And he was afraid, you know, he didn't want to get, get busted up. And I said, come on, you get in there, get in there and play, get in there and play. And, and the Lord gave me this vision of him intercepting a pass and making a touchdown. But it, it, was, it was one of those really strong senses. So you gotta you gotta go with it. So I went to the team. All our team was on the sideline. I go, Eli's gonna get a pick six. Go, yeah, right, coach. Yeah, 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 sure. Two plays later, Eli gets a pick six. The kids are going, Coach, how'd you know that? You know, so the, the, the thing that I kind of want to get across is that whatever, if, if the Lord tells you to go into a position that you're totally uncomfortable with, if he's with you, just, just listen for him. Listen to what he wants you to do. You know, if he wants you to lay hands on people, do it. If he, want, if he gives you a prophetic word, a prophetic insight, 
speak it out. Because these kids, these kids are transformed. These kids, they, they have seen the difference. I mean, we had, we had parents come up to us at the end of the year and say, you have saved our kids. And they didn't know what saved means. It wasn't in a religious connotation. They said, you have saved our kids. Um, Sweeney, I, I want to use that, and I want to back up about quite a few years from that and um, talk about another another opportunity we had for, for healing. Uh, it, was, it was about in 2012, I think. I was on the school board at Frenchtown at the time, and um, we had just had the opportunity to um, get rid of Planned Parenthood in our, in our physical education department. Every few years, we have a curriculum look over, and we did. And um, so we said, well, why, why are we having Planned Parenthood here? Um, well, that's how we always do it. And so, you know, I was able to look online and look at some of the things that they were doing, and it wasn't pretty good. So uh, the Lord gave us the opportunity to get rid of them, and, and that was a great thing. We almost got a, got a release from the entire state, but we had a, a governor that vetoed it. But, but anyway... After, after that little uh, month or two after that had gone on, uh, we had a, a tragic accident in our state, in our city, our, our little town. Um, it was hunting season, and uh, a group of hunters had gone out. There was four dads. They had took a bunch of their kids in, uh, down by Dillon, Montana. They, uh, they had two tents. And they were hunting and having a great time. And they had the, the four uh, adults in one tent. The kids were all in another. Unfortunately, the the uh, adults were using a bad propane heater. They all got car carbon monoxide poisoning. And the adults pretty were very close to death in the morning. Kids woke up and they saw that their dads and, or grand grandparents were uh, kind of dead. Basically, and they were so close to death that they had lost all bodily function. That's what happens when you die. Um, somehow the kids got out. They got life flight in there. They, and this, is, this was a, a Mormon group of people, the big Mormon uh, church out in Frenchtown. So uh, we got the word. I think I got an email from... Um, from the school that, that this had happened. And, um, Diane and I, have, she was in town that day. I was uh, by myself, and I got the strongest sense from the Lord that we needed to have, that these guys were dead. They were basically dead. They were going to try to keep them alive. And I had the strongest sense from the Lord that you need to get together at the flagpole and pray for these guys. I need to He's doing it. He's killing it with his testimony. But see, the Lord set, up, set us up with this Planned Parenthood opportunity. We had to unify everyone who stood for, you know, life and values and, you know, the things that mattered to us. So it was basically the Lord said to me uh, that his heart was so grieved for these children, these, these high schoolers that were being led astray. So that's why we did what we did. So in the process, we had to connect and unify the Catholics, the Mormons, the 
anybody who would get on our team, the conservatives, the, I don't know if the Lutherans joined or not, they might, might have um, the charismatics, we had them all. So, we were good friends with the Mormons now, right? So that set that up. So I had, I had all the pastors on my, on my phone, Contacts, so I just got got hold of them and just said, "Hey, how about we all get together and and pray at the flagpole and see if God's going to do a miracle?" And they never heard it, a lot of stuff like this. You know, it was all new to them. Um, just kind of crazy. I couldn't get a hold of Diane. She was ministering to a girl here in town, and um, it was about. I knew we had to do it tonight, and so I'm trying to get a hold of her and, and couldn't get it done. And, Finally, I just got a hold of the, the other the other pastors in, in town and said, Let, let's just do it. So I, you know, about 4 o'clock, I let her know, and she goes, oh. I go, yeah, it's at 7 o'clock. And somehow it got on the nightly news that we were... Says, Turn on the news, and that they're announcing that we're going to do this at the flagpole. <laughs> yeah, it was on the nightly news. Like, wow. No okay. <laughs> so we're driving down there from our house, and we're thinking, you know, we're going to have 10, 15 people. I don't know, you know. We get there, there's 300 people packed wow. around. We're going, okay. We, we have no mind. We have no nothing. Nothing. <laughs> well, how are we going to pull this off, dear? So we go, uh, you start praying, and then I'll finish, and whoever else wants to pray can do it. Stand by the flagpole and you pray loud. That'll be loud. But in the meantime, we had the opposition on the school board who did not like us doing anything religious at the school, they were also there kind of tapping their foot, like, you know, what's going to happen here, you know? But we just went with it, you know? We, we prayed. Um, kind of a funny thing, the opposing school board members were so touched by when, what happened. She came up to me and she said, can I pray too? You bet. So, you know, we, we had to be obedient to what, but, but it, it did not look good. I mean, these guys, they took them to Dillon, Montana. The, the nurses and the doctors pretty much said, there's nothing we can do. I think the way I heard it described is they were in like the 10th percentile of brain function at all. I mean, it was near death. They did have a pulse, so they sent them to Salt Lake. They had some type of oxygen chambers type thing. Yeah. So they, they left them there. But what happened, these guys were not only healed, they are 100% no brain damage. So I guess I just want to encourage you guys that, you know, it says, it says in a couple places in Corinthians, in James, if someone's sick, just like we were doing a bit a minute ago, if someone's sick, be obedient, pray for them. Now, a lot of times, a lot of times, people don't get healed. We know that. I mean, there were guys on my football team that I prayed for for healing, and sometimes it doesn't happen. You know, we don't have all the success stories every certain time. But I think what it does. I was trying to figure that out. I don't think any of us really ever figured out why some get saved and some don't. But the act of being obedient to pray over someone, when you've got kids looking and seeing what's going on, it gives 
It gives them the opportunity later in life to think, I can do that. I can do that, you know? For the entire community of Frenchtown, knowing what happened because people prayed. So we just need to be obedient. We just need to let God do his thing, I think. And, um, yeah. That's an awesome testimony. Thinking about testimony, of course, and if you study the Hebrew, you realize that the, the root meaning of testimony is that it sets it up to happen again. It's, it stirs up that atmosphere. It's, you know, like angels to bring the waters or something. It's like, here we go, God, let's do it again. So it's such a privilege to be here and to be able to share. Um, so we're, of course, originally from Missoula. Some of you are going to know this. Maybe if you don't, you know, so this will be new news for you. But um, we have roots. We were born and raised here in the Missoula area. We have roots four and five generations back in the five valleys. Um, so all of a sudden, we're up and moving to Helena. We're over there now. Um, we moved there about six weeks ago. So I'm going to fill you in on some of that. Um, but just by way of introduction, you might not know my testimony. I just want to give you a little bit of a insight into how I got to where I am today. So I was saved about 10 years old in a very conservative, evangelical kind of atmosphere. So, you know, salvation was taught and was, you know, such a wonderful thing to receive from them. But there were no tools past that. Um, you know, you never heard about being, you know, emotional healing or... You know, ungodly mindsets or generational curses. And in fact, I could point the way. I knew the Bible very well. I did. And I could point you to the verses that would say, well, there is no generational curses. You know, I, I knew the word. And um, so things go along until about 2004. And at that point, very good shape. So we have about 30, 40s, let's say. And I've got three kids. Um, the youngest might have been about eight or something. That's at that time, and um, so we're saved, but I've got so much baggage. My mom and brothers were killed in a tragic accident when I was a teenager, and just different things happened, and you know, how do I get free of this? I don't know how. So, as it happens, all of our kids are adopted, you know, four, and that's not something I normally would point out or say, but it, it matters for this story. To me, it doesn't matter. You know, they're adopted is the same. Um, but our daughter, our middle child, she, uh, something was wrong from the very beginning. Uh, her and I just were kind of like oil and water. From the minute we picked her up in Seattle at the airport, she would cry and cry and cry. In fact, I think that first, before we started heading home, I laid her on the hotel bed and just made sure she had pillows around her so she couldn't fall off and let her cry herself to sleep. Now she was exhausted and all this from having traveled. But it's like, it's just always seemed like whatever I did with her was wrong and that did not get any better. So here she is, uh, about 12 years old, I'm gonna say, by that time. I don't think anybody really knew how bad it was. Um, it's like, there seemed to be something in her that it made me feel like such a failure as a mother because I would watch her interact with my husband and with other people. She always wanted to be somewhere else, never around me, never at home. 
It's not the one that's going to cry when you drop her off in kindergarten or something, you know. She's like, glad to see, get rid of your mom, you know. So, you know, you, you, you internalize that, I guess. That's what I did. And I just, I just, this is the honest truth. I had, I've probably told you this. I'm like, when I die, you want to know what you could put on my headstone? She tried. She tried the best she you know, I just felt like my family would be better off without me, to tell you the truth. So I was at a point at some stage suicidal. I was. And who would know? He's on the school board of a Christian school. You know, we're looked at as leaders, and I'm a wreck. I'm a living wreck. And we get connected with a powerful woman of God who understands, oh, I think there's a generational curse at work here. Why don't we see if we can get together, if she's willing? Because I, Holy Ghost to me, if you speak in tongues or your Holy Ghost filled, you're, you're off into error. You know, that's what I was raised with. So she was very cautious. Come to find out, my daughter carried a, a generational curse, long and deep, of hatred from daughters to mothers. And there were reasons because of mistreatment. It's like, guess what? I was the target. And when... My daughter was prayed for by this powerful woman of God and her team of intercessors, which included my sister in law. She was immediately set free. It turned our lives around. And at that point, I knew I had a decision. I'm like, I can say thank you, God, and I can just carry on. It's going to be better than it was. Or I can say, I do what I do. I don't even have a son. Really never have. And I don't care. I only have one more shot, you know. He gave me a second chance. So I've given you a lot of testimony here. So I want to tell you that I do have a couple books back there. Um, so this one is the one that has the testimony story and all that. And Terry, would you like this book? This is my new we needed some more seats in the front, and I asked her to move, and she graciously did that, so now we're friends. <laughs> so, and the second book that's back there is called The Signal from God. Now, this book, about kind of that tension in the spirit, um, you know when it says in 2 Peter 3.12 that we should be looking for and hastening the day? You know, have you ever puzzled about that? Because God knows the day and the time and the hour. So what is this bit about hastening the day? Well, it's if you'll get in your position in the army, in the army of God, and do your part, he can get it all wrapped up sooner. He doesn't choose to do it without us, right? So there's a lot in there that has, you know, kind of that flavor in it. So uh, the Canoe Sons, did I say it right? Do you have this book? Can you take this for a gift if you would, please? All right, so that's kind of the introduction. <laughs> And just one more little bit of testimony. I never knew, knew that the Lord could speak. I think I think the key for me was I never experienced the presence or power of God. Not once, even after being saved for 32 years. And I was about at the point of death. I, like, I can't live without that. Somehow my spirit knew I can't survive. And I didn't know why. Yeah. You know, so um, the Lord did something in me. Um, I was suffering from such a overbearing spirit of withdrawal that I couldn't speak to anyone almost. If we were in a small circle, so she knows me, she knows me from that other life. 
was a different person. Let's say you have 10 or 12 people in a circle. They said, would you please say, say your name and where you're from? You don't even have to stand up. Could not do it. My voice would tremble and shake. I would quiver. It was demonic. And I was not even spirit-filled. We'd only gotten connected with this woman, Karen, for a couple weeks, if that. No, maybe, maybe it was the night after she prayed for Lynn. And so I was laying in bed, and something started to happen, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm kind of suspended. At first, it seemed like I saw evil images or something, and then something changed. I'm like, I don't know what the heck's going on. So all I did is keep reciting John 3.16. That's all I could figure out what to do. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know anything. And I got up to use the bathroom after about 10 minutes because I felt like, okay, something's done. And for the first time, I heard the Lord's voice, and he said, it's withdrawal. And I was like, aha, that's what that was. And it's gone. And sure enough, nobody did anything. Nobody laid a hand on me. Like, how could I come into my, my new purpose in the Lord if I couldn't even open my mouth? And I joke that now I can't shut up. And I was like, you cannot get me stopped. <laughs> so, anyway, that's my testimony. So I cannot live without that prophetic voice of the Lord. Obviously, the Word of God is our standard, and we can never depart from it. But there's something, what did Jesus say in John 6? My words are They're not just eternal life. They're meant to give us real life here on earth. Otherwise, we're just walking around like, I don't know, like a bank bones or something. It's like, there's no, there's no purpose. Why am I here? So, the title of my message, and there's going to be a part one and a part two. I learned a little bit late in the game that we're going to do two sessions. So, I um, had already prepared one message, but it was okay because I had too much material anyway, so I'm going to spread it. <laughs> Hopefully, in the right, the right place, so that it kind of evens out with time. Um, so, my message in part one and part two is get ready, the King of Glory is writing in. So you're going to have to come back tomorrow so that you hear the sequel because you're only going to get the teaser today, okay? <laughs> so I want to tell you that I believe we are living in a spirit, a season of fulfillment like I have never quite seen. Um, and so by the way, if you're taking notes or I think you hear me say something but you didn't catch it or I don't read scripture, Almost everything I'm saying is either in a podcast episode or an article form from today anyway. And our website is www.starfireministries.org. And we've got a search bar and you can find that. So what my experience is, is that prayers are being answered and prophecy so, so fulfilled so quickly right now that it's almost like you can't keep up. That's the season that I personally am in. So, this Lord had given me the scripture, Amos 9.13. So, in the message, you might already have heard it in this version. It says, yes, indeed, it won't be long now, says God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim. One thing fast upon the heels of the other, you won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once, and everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. So, I'm telling you. I'm experiencing this, and usually as uh, we are called to prepare the way, that is our calling, it's the name of my podcast, and it's like, so we might be ahead of the curve on what we're experiencing, but don't mistake, if you're not there yet, it's coming, okay? So you better get ready and expect it. So I'm going to share a dream with you, 
that I had, and this was probably, um, I'm going to say maybe last December, because I have to go back a little bit to pick up the thread, um, which is all going to relate to the move and everything else that we're doing. So I had a dream in which there were three beautiful orchid plants, and each ended up producing one large and remarkably sized large, beautiful bloom all on the same day. So the setting was like I was invited to someone else's house. And yet, in some strange sense, it kind of felt like I had some ownership in this house as well. Um, in particular, it seemed like I had some ownership or stake in these three orchid plants that I was taking to view. Somehow, it seemed like I was responsible for them or you know, I owned them, perhaps, or something. So, you know, that's always not clear in dreams what that means. But the point being that, incredibly, one by one, these orchids all bloomed at the same time and the same day. And the other part of the dream ended was that each bloom had an overwhelming fragrance. I remember in the dream saying, is this what heaven smells like? And then I woke up, and I was so surprised that it wasn't real. Did you ever have a dream like that? I, 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 like, I was living that experience. So... I was like, wow, you know, that's one of those dreams you want to conquer before the Lord and see what he will show you. So the scripture that the Lord brought to mind as I prayed and meditated about this dream was Jeremiah 1, and 11, and 12. In the Amplified, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he said, I see the branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. Now, previous to this dream, I had been hearing the Lord repeatedly say, we are in a season of fulfillment. Yeah. So here comes this dream after that. So I'm like, I feel like I don't have enough background for this freely to say in this verse. So I checked some commentary sources. So the one that I uh, found had the best explanation, the explanation is that the poetry of the symbols used in this passage is much beyond just the you know what you can get out of the English. There's a beauty behind it. Um, it's as if this almond bough which Jeremiah sees represents hope. The pink blossoms, the leaves. It's a token of an early spring, which by the way is not what we've been having around here, right? Um, which is over. There's hope. There's hope. And the name of the almond tree, the poetical name is used here, not the common. There would have been another choice that, that the, uh, the writer could have used. It was, it was if you interpret it, it's called the watcher. The watcher. Isn't that interesting? In other words, it's hastening to awake that tree. It's watching over it to wake up. And though, you know, you know we kind of have a hard time grasping this. It's speaking of divine haste to break the delay so that fulfillment of his promises will manifest in your life and bear fruit. Did you catch that? That's really powerful. Right? Let that sink in just a little bit. Just a little bit. That's powerful. So in other words, your words and your promises and your prophetic picture that's been in your life. I'm going to keep talking about that. You know, sometimes I like to say that it seems to me that, that God has not caught up with technology. You remember when you used to have to use film? And now we're like, oh gosh, 
Remember, you were hoping there might be one on the roll that didn't have somebody's eyes crossed or whatever. Well, I think he still uses old style film, and you gotta wait for it to develop. You know, you're like, what is this picture even about? You know, it's like it's all dark and it's cloudy and I can't see a darn thing. Well, <laughs> you know, so I, I am experiencing that years and years and years of what seemed like unfulfillment or things not lining up the way I thought they should were a great big picture of God positioning me and moving me forward so that I would be in agreement with his plans and these things were just moving me into that position. And all the time I thought, well, what's happening? I mean, you keep declaring your words and you keep praying them, right? But you're like, you wonder sometimes, don't you? Did I get that right? Did the person who prophesied over me get that right? You know, we're just human. So um, as far as the three blossoms, this is what I felt like the Lord showed me. At first, um, this is the first interpretation, because I got a little bit more later. I'll give it all to you in one summary, though. Um, three usually in Scripture typically represent something that is complete, perfect, or whole. We think of the Trinity, of course, as being an example of that. And the fact that the blooms all appeared on the same day at the same time symbolizes that we are in a day or a season for our prophetic promises to be fulfilled. Now, when God says a day, it's not 24 hours. We know that, right? Because otherwise, yeah, you know the scriptures as well as I do. <laughs> Anybody who confuses thousands of years with a day, okay, you know, got it. <laughs> but uh, a little bit of time had passed, and then I realized that this, another very significant reason I feel like the Lord had three orchid plants in this dream was that they represent triple increase. So I want to talk to you about that and why I came to believe that. So um, the biggest incident of a moment, fulfillment for me and in the last couple months, brings divine restitution to an ongoing injustice that has been perpetuated in my family for many generations. On both sides of my family, my grandparents were farmers and ranchers. They had large holdings of land and property. And yet, time and again, my family, my parents, myself, were bypassed in any inheritance of this property. And um, not only that, denied any opportunity to buy when, I, when we would ask, is there some way we can purchase some of this property? There's been some deep-seated desire in me since I was a kid to preserve this heritage and this land. We don't want to develop it. No, we want to steward it. We want to do weed control. We want to maintain fences. We want to, do you, I don't, I think it's a God-given desire that's in me. So in particular, there's a 1,500-acre parcel. It's about two and a half sections. And uh, we were able to take Vance and Debbie up there and show them where the old house is. That is still for sale. You all can pray about that if you want. <laughs> um, so that was um, grazing land for one of my grandfathers, my maternal grandfather. He had a farm and a ranch, but he needed summer pasture for him. So they would truck him up in the spring, and we would do a cattle drive in the fall. I got to do cattle drives when I was a teenager. We would drive them down past the airport on horseback and all that thing, take them in the back entry of the park fork, cross a couple channels. I mean, maybe that's why I never got rid of my cowboy jeans. <laughs> Figuratively. Um, so that that really hurt when, uh, because that that particular parcel meant so much to us, and it kept shrinking. 
like there was betrayal after betrayal. We're not, we're not in our grandparents' will, and now my aunt isn't really handling things that she should. Now our cousins are selling the property and never told us that they were, and you know we never had the opportunity. And um, we would get words once in a while. Um, in 2017 or 19 or something, we were in California uh, at Candy's gathering. And I think you might have heard me share this, but one of the CI ministers walked up to me. It's probably one of these activations. And she was so nonchalant. And she's just like, come off the cuff. The Lord says there's a particular piece of property you want and you think it's too late. But he says, I am living in reserve for you. And she turned and walked away. And, and she had no idea what she said. I started to tear up and my mouth was dropped. And... Um, and that wasn't even the worst of it. You know, it kept like we kept getting to the point till like a year ago in August, we went to Spokane to Lorelai and Roy's meeting there. And um, Vance was sitting on the front row and Wednesday night and he called us over and all he said was, The Lord says to tell you the land is coming. And he said, How's that going by the way? Because we had a bit of backstory. And we're like, Oh dear. It's not good. It was like the last shred of hope had died that we would ever recover that land. But the interesting part is that it was actually one of my children, my daughter, who had said there were some heartbreaking things that happened towards the end that didn't involve my siblings. You know, you're, you're the one core group of people you think has your back kind of thing. It was so hard for us. But you know what happened? I think I said to Vance that day, I said, you know we're starting to wonder if this is not the land the Lord has in mind. He keeps telling us the land is coming. I don't think it's this land. The land that I thought was the land in every prophetic promise. We're like, yeah, I wonder if he's uh, wanting us to look for property other places. And my daughter said to us somewhere around this time, she says, you know, I mean, she knows we've done everything to break curses, and, you know, we, we got a, a big bag of tools and tricks because we belong to prophetic intercessory groups and Generals International and CI and all this, and we've done every, everything we need to do. She says, I think that ground is cursed. Why don't you just go buy a ranch somewhere? I'm like, well, I can't leave this place on this house. And I said, you know, you know, kind of muttering to myself, I thought they were going to carry me out of this house in a pine box. Well, it wasn't very long before we started looking for property. <laughs> But the problem was it was all expensive. You know, prices were spiking with coronavirus. All the land was sky high in price. And anything that you did look at, if you could afford it, it wasn't as much property as you wanted. And there was always something wrong with it. And then now you're in the, in the booty somewhere, and you're three miles from an airport. And this is never going to work. And we had a figure in our mind. We were just praying we could get maybe a minimum of 300 acres. And then what are you going to do after that if there's no house on it and we have a huge house and we've got all these outbuildings and you know, how's this going to work? Well, lo and behold, in last November, we see a listing and just happens to be an email blast and we're like, holy cow, did I see that right? So it was this, uh, this small ranch, 315 acres, about 10 miles outside of Helena. Uh, it had 367 additional BLM raising lease acres attached to it. It had a house on it, a shop, outbuildings, an old block homestead structure. 
if, if you had my wish list to the Lord, or if somebody asked me, what would your dream property look like? I'd say, oh, there'd be an old block structure. There's something about the history of Montana that really speaks to me, and we want to preserve that and honor it. It's private and secluded, like you cannot believe that it's only 10 minutes from town. We're about 10 miles outside of Montana. Uh, you know, another five minutes to the Helena Airport. Uh, you know, quite simply, it's not just the property of our dreams. We never knew to dream for that, you know. And um, it went through a sale fail and a couple of price reductions before we ever saw it. We couldn't have even thought about affording it before that. So after we went under contract, there was something that just started niggling at my brain. I just couldn't quite shake the thought. So I had to, like, think, I had to stop and, like, make myself think this through. Because a question kept coming to my head. How much acreage would my husband and I have if we would have inherited that piece that we should have inherited of that 1,500-acre parcel that meant so much to me? How much would we have? So I did the math. My grandparents have three children. One was my mom, who died when I was a teenager. So each of you know, her and my aunt, my uncle would have each received 500 acres. My mom's portion would then have been split five ways because I have four siblings. So the total that I would have actually received would be 100 acres. And we already own 15.69 by another means. Then, and only then, did I remember that I'd written an article in April of 2019, which went quite a ways. I think Charisma put it on. I think Elijah just put it on. I wrote it, and I forgot about it. And the Lord told me to expect triple increase. Oh, yes. So the ranch we bought is 315 acres. If you multiply the 100 acres we should have inherited by three, it equals 300. Then if you add the 15.69 that we already owe, you get 315. Does that not just like to the acre. So uh, we had a prayer call with the RPN team. We've got some RPN members with us. Uh, our good friend, your friend Art, Art is from Wyoming. Cheryl is from Idaho. And of course, Kate is also an RPN. He's from Missouri. We have a, about a monthly call for uh, the prayer network conference call. And I had the opportunity to share that story with Cindy. Um, and she began to prophesy on the phone to anyone on there, grab the triple, grab the triple, grab onto triple increase. So I want to challenge you to do that today. Um, so I'll come back to that in a minute, but I'm, I'm going to see other prophecies fulfilled that I myself have written. That's why I'm saying like one after the other. In 2022, my word for the year was called the front door to the new. And in that, I wrote that the things that you lost in the past season would be be replaced with something better than you ever had before. Now, trust me, I didn't just quit, like, what would you say? Um, I didn't just off the cuff make that statement and write that. I lived it. We went through a season of loss like you cannot believe. I have found, I'm going to talk about this more at different times, I have found that with us in particular, it seems like we have to live the word before I get to release it. And we just started losing things I can't even, I don't know if I can remember it all. It started out with our HVAC crest. It's a geothermal system. I think we put 25 plus thousand in it before it was up and running and it took 18 months. So we 
So where it's July, or we have two story houses, you have no AC, okay? And it's winter, we have no heat, you know? So we lose our HVAC, we lose our refrigerator, we lose our hot water heater. His brother dies in a freak accident. The thing happens with the land and my family. He gets in a wreck. It's not his fault. Truck, truck gets crushed. <laughs> um, I'm sure that's not all of it. This, I'm talking in about maybe a six-week span or maybe less. And, you know, you're thinking, okay, well, this is a spiritual attack, right? We better just war and whatever. But, you know, it's a, it's a real word of wisdom sometimes to be like, well, here's what the enemy wants to do. Well, what's the you know, I looked to the Lord and went, what are you doing? And then I began to see a pattern. Every time something died or broke or was taken away from us, it was replaced with something better than before. So I began to press into that. That's why I love that story that, that Gail was talking about, about the woman with the issue of blood. So I use that. In fact, in that book, that's all I hardly ever talk about. It's like, you got to press in, you got to press in. To me, that means you will not be denied. I have a word, and I will not let it go. I have a healing, and I will not let it go. Right? So I began to press into that word. Um, but I did say to the Lord, I'd like to see you talk the land we have. You know, the seclusion, the privacy, not not, 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 not with respect, but I'm like, how is the Lord going to pull this off? And I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to admit, I I had my doubts. Like, but advanced prophecy, I did. It's not looking good. So um, the Lord had given me for 2023 Isaiah 61, so the chapter after the Gail was talking about. And um, so we all know that chapter probably, it says in verse 2 that it's an acceptable year of the Lord. It's the chapter of divine exchange is the way I like to say it. We get his beauty for our ashes. You know, we get the oil of joy instead of mourning. Environment of praise instead of a spirit of happiness. But there's some interesting verses in there because what the Lord told me was that 2023 will be a year of divine favor, justice, restitution. This part really spoke to me. A year for land and inheritance and property to be restored. A year to recover and reestablish generational blessing, even if it takes pulling up stakes and moving to a new location in order to do it. We have to just physically move off that. And we are doing this, yes, for ourselves and yes, for the kingdom. That's going to be more part two tomorrow, what we think the Lord might be doing. But generations matter to God. Does he not say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You think generations of inheritance are going to matter to him? And I had to learn that. I talk about that in that first book. I didn't understand that it was unjust. I was like, well, you got to buck up, buttercup. Just because they left you out of the... No, seriously, they left you out of the will. Well, okay, go, go do your own thing. It's, you know, it's like, whatever. That's how my mindset kind of was, and that is not what God's mindset is. When you are left out of inheritance, that's not okay. So let me say verse 4 of this, of this chapter 61 and 9. Say this, and they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined generations, the desolation of many generations. Verse 9, their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles, their offspring around among the people. They will see them and acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. You see what he did right there? He said, I'm going to flip that generation curse. Yeah. Remember, the curses go for, was it a thousand years? Yeah. 
uh, to a thousand generations. The blessing goes a thousand generations, the curses go two, three. I haven't read that section in a long time. It's like now all of a sudden the generations are not cursed. And verse 9 says, everyone's going to look at that family and say, those are people blessed by the Lord. Do you not think that's, that was flipped? Right? So even our own move is tied into that. So verse 7 says, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. The divine exchange. Now, I know that this verse speaks of double. I know that Zechariah, I think it's 12, 9, speaks of double. But I was scratching my head. I'm like, I've heard Bishop say, you know, you can have a prophetic word, but you better have a scripture to back it up, right? There needs to be a principle at least in the word. So I'm like, where would you get some sort of foundation for the triple blessing? And what I felt like the Lord gave me was Numbers 24. So you know the story. It's Balaam and Balak. And Balak attempts to hire Balaam to curse. He's the king of Moab. It might be nice if your enemies were cursed, don't you think? So um, he's going to do it. And every time he opens his mouth, what happens? Blessing comes out instead. Yeah. So finally, Balak has had it. He's like, what on earth are you doing? Every time you're supposed to curse these people, you bountifully bless them. You've done that three so what I felt like the Lord illustrated to me is, well, who's the author of all this stealing? And I mean, what does John 10, 10 tell you? When, when your inheritance doesn't come to you, when your health is stolen from you, when there's some relationships that are broken, who's doing that? It's the enemy. And in that sense, he's cursing you. And God's like, I think I'm going to do something different. I think I'm going to bless you instead. So that's the foundation of the triple blessing that he gave. So I think time-wise, we're going to kind of break that and save the, the king of glory part for tomorrow. It looks like we're kind of on schedule. But before we close, um, I just want to say, you remember how Cindy prophesied over that phone call? Grab the triple. My sense is it's not going to just fall in your lap, okay? Um, you got to, by faith, Grab a hold of it. You gotta want it. You gotta press in. Yeah. It's like faith does not operate in a void, right? You there's this push pull. God's like, you call on me, I will answer. You want the triple, I'll give it to you. You see what I'm saying? It's like sometimes we say to ourselves in this season, let it not be because we did not ask. And I have had that stick in my brain. Sometimes you're doing life, and there's some trivial little detail, and you're like, you know, my mom used to say this, cotton pick it. You know, I just said, I can't get this thing to work. I can't get it. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, did I ask the Lord? And so then I'll just do a quick little prayer, and bye, on. You know, there's the thing. There's what I needed. It's like, I think more than any other season, I sense that. Don't let it be because you didn't ask. Because you actually forgot. Yes, he knows what you need before you pray. We know that. But he wants to interact. Faith does not operate in Right? So I think that's really a, a powerful tool in your arsenal. Okay? All right. So let's just close by 
Lord, we want the truth, Lord. We want the truth. Yes, Lord. And we don't want it for selfish reasons. Yes, you're blessing Al and I with this ranch. Yes, you're blessing my family. But we're going to talk tomorrow about some of what we think the kingdom, how the kingdom is going to benefit. Why would you want us to move? What's the purpose and the point? We only have a little piece of the picture. But you know what? Everything moved us. Every one of those hardships moved us. Just, can I ask you to do something? If you have been betrayed, in fact, if you want to stand up, this is up to you. I'm not going to force you to do anything. I feel like, you know, betrayal is so tricky and so sticky because the story of Joseph has come alive to me like none other. And, you know, you know the story. But when he gets to the last chapter in Genesis in chapter 50, and he's broken with compassion, he's weeping. You know, these things that Jesus does in you as he breaks you, even the betrayals, they're for a purpose, right? And, and it's, not, it's, doesn't, it's not lost on me that Joseph was betrayed by his family and by his brothers and sisters, but maybe it's a ministry betrayal. Maybe it's a close friend. Maybe it's, you know, there's some spiritual connotation. You know, betrayal comes in all forms and packages. And would you just release that to the Lord and say, Lord, just like Joseph, I trust you. I trust you, Lord, that even though they meant it for harm, you meant it for good. And even if it takes decades for me to see the picture, I understand that you are positioning me strategically and moving me into a place just as Joseph rose up for the famine. And I'm going to talk about this tomorrow. You all know there could be some hard times ahead, right? We've got to be mature believers. There might be a famine coming. What are you going to do about it? Have you allowed the Lord to position you? Don't let betrayal hold you back. Let Jesus take that off of you, okay? Because it will hold you back. If, if Joseph had not gotten past that, do you think God could have positioned him in that strategic place and used him? No. So we release all spirits of betrayal, Lord. Wash us clean. Give us the sense even of a physical, physical weight removed from our shoulders in Jesus' name. And we reach up that veil of sin. And we pulled down the trickle by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Preparing the Way, the Practical Prophetic. If you have enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our show. And also, please rate and review it on iTunes. Because your positive review helps us reach more people with our message. And please visit our website at www.starfireministries.org Be sure to sign up for our newsletter there and you can also donate, read our latest articles and keep up to date with all of our social media sites there. Thanks again and we'll see you next time.